What is up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Surfing the Stream, where every week we're on a quest to find out what is the greatest movie and or TV show of all time. I am Matt Primo, joined by Josh Primo. What's up, bitches? This week we are continuing our run through season two of The Sopranos. This week we're reviewing episodes seven, eight, and nine. So, like always, if you have not caught up on these episodes, then uh, I highly recommend pausing it right here. Go catch up, watch those three episodes, and then come back to this. Uh, because let's be honest here, I don't think it's going to be a mistake that you go check the series out. So, highly recommend go check out the series. Before we jump into the actual review, if you want to consider supporting us, go to patreon.com slash two game. That is the number two. We are really wanting to hit our next Patreon goal, which is going to be basically setting up our YouTube and doing weekly uh, weekly content on our YouTube. Once we hit a certain amount of subscribers, just saying, if you want to hit the, the YouTube side of our uh, content, patreon.com slash two game. Uh, other than that, I don't think there's anything else I want to say. So you ready to jump into this, sir? Get it, sir. Get it. Let's start off with episode number seven, titled D-Girl. AJ presents an an affront to his parents' authority and refuses to be confirmed as a Catholic. Christopher develops romantic and professional involvements when resurrecting his interest in movie making. Pussy is pressured to wear a wire. Shout out. Tony forces confirmation upon AJ and having learned that Christopher has written a screenplay presents him with an ultimatum. That is D-Girl, sir. What do you think about this episode? Man, I kind of feel like this was a filler episode. Uh, We've talked about it before. Uh, While some of it's enjoyable, I think some of it gets too drawn out. But on the other hand, it is development in Christopher's character that we know he's into this thing, uh, into the movies, and it plays in later on in the series also. But I don't know. It, it was certain parts were good, but certain parts were drawn out, I think. I would absolutely agree with you, sir. I think this is when you think of like filler episodes. I mean, obviously, we think about college when he goes and takes Meadow all across to the colleges and whatnot. We think about the Italy episode, but. Italy episode, maybe not so much because that has a point to the, the the rest of the story, you know, because he's trying to get Furio and whatnot. But a lot of that in that episode is is filler other than the fact that he's getting Furio. But I will agree, this episode feels, I would say, 60 to 70% filler. I think there is enough stuff in here to enjoy it and to like it. I think it's a pretty good episode. I wouldn't say it's a great episode. The, the issue with it for me overall is, like like you said, there are some parts in here that are really, really good. And then sometimes it just kind of, like, it's not even worth mentioning kind of stuff, you know? It's that type of content. But overall, I do like it. I just wish it had, like, the one thing that is missing from this episode is, like, the one-liners. You know, we don't we don't really get any of that. We don't get any spicy moments between characters other than Chris and Tony at the very end when he tells them, you need to uh, go out into that world and find out whatever the fuck you're looking for. 
And, you know, he gives him the ultimatum of whether he needs to go out there and he doesn't want to ever see him again or he's here and he does everything that he's supposed to do with no issues. Uh, other than that scene, I think there's not really anything just overly amazing about the episode. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think you I think that was the best, uh, best, most. Suspenseful scene, I guess, of all of it. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out why he calls her a D girl. What does that mean? Was it like? Yeah, I didn't. uh, I'm actually going to look it up while while we talk about this. Um, I meant to do it, but obviously, Uh, I was in life and I didn't do it. But But let's talk about that guy while you look that up. Uh, (laughs) Loves his cousin, but yet bangs his fiance. Not once, twice, three times, and never even thinks about it. You know. Yeah, he he doesn't like think twice about it. He's just like, nah, I'll fuck her. And it's like, damn, dude, have you ever heard of bro code? Uh, real bros before hoes. <laughs> <laughs> it is a uh, derogatory Hollywood nickname for non-influential entry-level staff members in a film production company. Uh, well, that's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's totally not what I thought it was going to be. But yeah, uh, what is she got pretty pissed. She did. <laughs> she got pissed off about it, but all right. Yeah, it's just development, girl. But yeah, man, uh, I think this episode is really just geared towards two characters, and we get a lot of pussy in this episode. Shout out to that. Shout out. And we get a lot of Christopher. Those are the, basically the two main plot points in this entire episode. What did you think about the 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 stuff with pussy in this in this episode? Like you thought it was good, I did bad. like it. Uh, you know, it shows the turmoil that guy's in his character. You know, he's like he wants to stay out of jail because his family, you know, needs him, and of course, he doesn't want to spend forty years in prison. But at the same time, to accomplish his goal, he has to, you know, pretty much ride on Tony would she consider his family, you know, like his brother or something. So it's kind of like he's having to, to make the ultimate choice. I, yeah, I mean, I think the acting is exceptional from, I don't, I don't even know his name, who, the guy who plays pussy in the show. I don't know his name. Um, I, I think his acting is, is, is pretty damn good. Uh, pretty damn great. I should say. Uh, throughout this entire episode, because it you can just look at his face and just know that, like you know, I forget what we. You know, there's several other reviews that we've done that we've we've both said you know the best acting is when they're not saying anything at all, and I think he is able to kind of showcase that a lot in this episode where he shows that he has just the weight of the world on his shoulders, and like you said, he has two difficult choices. He either throws his his mob family under the bus and he is basically a dead man or he throws his real life family under the bus and, you know, they leave him or, or, or not, excuse me, he, he would go to jail and then they would never see him again. His kids wouldn't go to college, yada, yada, yada. So I thought all the stuff with Pussy in this episode was was pretty good. Uh, the other stuff we get with Chris, eh, I, I wasn't thrilled with it. It was okay. Uh, I thought the stuff with Pussy and... <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Even even though I feel like AJ is being a little bit of a bitch in this episode, 
I do like some of that stuff. I wouldn't say I, I definitely like the Chris stuff more than the AJ stuff. But like, you know, that opening scene where he gets caught stealing uh, Carmela's car. And then he has like this epiphany about life and death. And he like tells Tony and Carmela that that shit. And it's like, what what is this coming from? <laughs> it's just to me, that was just a hilarious scene. And then Meadow jumps in on it and, you know, she's like putting fuel on the fire. And they're like, just go to bed. Go. Stop. We don't need your help. Yeah. You, you know what? I felt like he used that as a cop out to not get in trouble. You think? I mean, he, he carried that the entire episode, though. Yeah, he did. He did. Maybe, maybe not. I mean. I don't know. Kids are dicks like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. They'll explore. And, and we, the only reason I maybe have thought that is because uh, you've seen how Meadow played him earlier mm-hmm. when she got uh, drunk at her grandma's house. That's true. That's true. So I was just wondering if it, if it's tied to that, maybe. Because this does only last like one episode. Yeah. Dude, one one probably the best line in the entire episode was when uh, Carm, when he got caught smoking the, the weed in the basement. And Carm found, well, you act like a goddamn Catholic for fucking five minutes. I was like, Damn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Carm, how about how about you act like one? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I, I think just nothing amazing happens in this episode. I, I think a filler is the best way to to label this episode for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I, I I gave it a, a six and a half. Oh, I was a little bit higher than you. A little bit higher than you. I gave a 7.5. I'm quite surprised by that. Yeah, I, I look, I find this episode way more enjoyable than Italy and college. I, I just think some of the stuff with, with Pussy really just elevated that episode for me. When I compare it to the episode with Italy and the episode of college, I just think there's just so much more interesting stuff in this episode, which is why I'm a little bit higher on it. And also there's just some character development in in this episode, whereas those other two episodes, maybe college more so than the Italy episode, where there's just not really any development of those characters at all. I mean, there's a little bit of development of Tony in that episode from what I remember. But this one... You know, it develops Chris, it develops a little bit of AJ just because now they're turning him into a little bit of a bitch. And then we got, obviously, the lots of legwork that they're doing with, with Pussy. Makes you wonder how the how the season's going to go from here, you know? It does. Uh... I mean, I know how it ends, but everybody else out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else out there, I mean, who knows? Yes, sir. All right. Do you have any other episodes? You have any other thoughts on uh, D Girl, sir? No, I do not. All right, moving on to episode number eight, titled "Full Leather Jacket." Anxious about Meadows' upcoming college applications, Carmela looks to secure a favor from Jenny Cusimano's sister, a Georgetown alumnus. Richie tries to gain Tony's respect. Matthew and Sean formulate an ill-fated plan to win respect. And Christopher's life is seriously threatened. What did you think about episode eight, sir? I liked episode eight, man. This was uh, kicking off, getting right back into everything. You get the uh, Tony and Richie uh, fiasco going on, and you see how the tension's building up there. 
you get to see Richie kind of extend out like an olive branch to Tony and Tony kind of just slapped him completely away, you know, and then you get some of the Christopher and Adriana uh, development between them two. And you finally get to see what uh, Matt and Sean are up to, you know, because they, they're starting, you can see them working with Christopher throughout this and, you know, they're trying to get ahead and get a name for themselves, but it seems like they're being disrespected, which I kind of see that, you know, with the whole Furio coming to get the money, Christopher blows them off, but yet they're supposed to be, you know, part of Christopher's crew. So I really enjoyed it. I'm right there with you. I I definitely enjoyed this episode a lot. I thought it was a pretty great episode. I thought there, you know, this is back to the the one-liners. You know, we got Richie again, so we're getting that tension. The the villain is back, and then we get the uh, the stuff at the end of the episode with Sean and Matt, where they try to cap in Chris. You know, makes you wonder. Like, we need to make a name for ourselves. That's the guy you want to cap. <laughs> like, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, what they should have did is went and worked for Richie. Yeah, something like that, you know. I'm like, bruh, you could have done you could have done something else. Like that was You're a take, move. Yeah, like you want to take the nephew of the boss out. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, maybe we should like lower our uh standards a little bit. I don't know what the uh rules to a drive by are, but I'm pretty sure it does not include wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> right. You got stuck. <laughs> I, mean, I, lo- I love when uh was it is it Matt? He he's running away and he's literally just pointing a gun behind him and not even looking and just shooting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, alright. <laughs> and, and you pick the one guy to go do a drive by with you that can't even crack a safe without taking a shit. Yeah, I thought I thought that whole thing was kind of silly. Not gonna lie, like the whole him taking a shit and we had the, the farting noises and shit like that. Look, I'm I'm a guy, okay. Like first and foremost, I'm a dude. I get fart jokes, I laugh at them, I'm immature. But when this entire series up to this point has been like, I know there's some dark humor in it. Obviously, we we do find a lot of their lines pretty funny. But to me, that just seems like it's a complete tone shift for me. I thought it was kind of stupid. Am I, am I the only one that thinks that? I was just curious. I'm like, the dude was like just shitting in their floor because he wasn't in the bathroom. What fucking wasn't there a movie where they were they? Oh, I can't fucking remember, dude. It, it, it was like the movie and they were like thieves and their thing was to take shits at the houses that they robbed. I can't think of the fucking movie now. Uh. I mean, you had the wet bandits that like to I'm so glad you brought up Home Alone. <laughs> and then when they go to New York City, he puts his his hand in the charity pot and he's like, oh, we're the sticky bandits. <laughs> Dude, fucking Home Alone and Home Alone 2 are fucking fantastic. I don't care who the fuck y'all are. Yeah, fuck y'all. Fuck y'all. Uh, do you... you Go ahead. Did you did you uh, tell us what you thought yet? Yeah, I, I thought it was overall just a great episode. We got we got plenty of the uh, 
the stuff that's been missing in like the last couple episodes, we got the, we got the villain, you know, we got some of the tension towards the end where there's actually a shootout and yeah, just lots of lots of great things in this episode. Like you said earlier about the olive branch and then Tony just kind of slapping it away. Richie's like facial expressions when he saw the maid's husband walk in with his jacket was priceless. That dude was like this motherfucker here. You know, that, that was phenomenal acting there because you, you seen him go from like this motherfucker here and like, and then you see the whole, damn, I can't believe Tony would do that to me. You know, kind of like disrespected in a sense. I mean, we said well, it a minute ago, the, the best acting is when you don't say anything at all. And his face said everything. And you know what part of this this episode shows that that whole mentality of like the mob and the Sopranos where stuff pisses them off when it's done to them, but they have no problem doing it to other people. Exactly. But it sh- shouldn't be done to them because like Carm is pissed in the very beginning. She's like, well, that's such bullshit that you got to know somebody to get into a good college and all this. But she turns around and does the exact same thing to get Meadow into Georgetown. Yep. I actually have that note wrote down. Uh, basically, Carmela's just swinging that dick the entire episode. She's she's complaining about you know not getting in, not Meadow not getting in, and then you know, like you said, she's just. She's like, well, I mean, if you can't beat him, join him, right? And she fucking goes and does the same shit. But I feel like Carmella, and it may be not, may not be this episode. It might be the next episode that I can't remember. I feel like Carmella is, while she is one of my favorite characters in the, in the show that has definitely risen with this season, she is a fucking huge hypocrite in a lot of the shit that she does. Like she complains about Tony doing this and that, but then she loves the luxury, you know? Exactly. She she is a huge hypocrite, man. She's worse than Tony when it comes to being a hypocrite. Because, you know, like these guys objectify women all over the place, but don't you say a crossword to their daughter. You know, <laughs> it, it's, and it, Carm is the same exact way. Yeah, I'm I'm loving what the uh, what they're doing with Carmela's character over the last couple of seasons. Uh, now that I'm actually kind of paying attention to it a little bit more closely, but dude, she is such a huge hypocrite. Such yeah. A... Now, totally. what about the, what about Beansy? Dude gets paralyzed like six episodes ago, and now they're worried about a ramp. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we we just completely skipped over that like plot line for like four or five episodes and we come back to it. Not sure how that's going to fit in with the overall plot of season two, but it seems like if I had to pick like a misstep in the series so far, it is, it is some of that. I I think the reoccurring characters, they kind of leave out in the the dark a little bit longer than they should. Like still, uh, when have we seen that motherfucker? Have we seen this? Ep- was he in either of these two episodes? I can't remember. I don't have a row down. Artie Bucco, 
we haven't seen in God knows when. So I think that to me is one of the biggest issues with the show so far is that. And then this plot line just being non-existent for four episodes. And then now we come back to it. Yeah, I could see that. By the way, I just want to clarify that is very minor nitpicks. That's not like, oh my God, the show is fuck this show. (laughs) I ain't finishing it. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I mean, you know, if you were to critique something, that that would be the critique. I, I get what you're saying, man. Now, two things, two things I want to bring up before we move on to the uh, next episode, sir. One, the best line in the entire episode. Do you remember what it was? Uh, no, I guess not. I don't have anything wrote down. What? They get the Nobel Prize for packing fudge. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, God damn, dude, you you cannot say that nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> no, you cannot. I totally missed that one. But the last point I want to make, have you noticed that some of the very, very best scenes in this series so far are the dinner scenes? Like they're just sitting down, just talking about their day. To me, those are some of my favorite scenes. They have some of the yeah. best ones, especially when uh, Liv would join in there or maybe uh, Junior would be there. Dude, we get some great one-liners. We get some great character work, some great acting. It's just I fucking love the dinner scenes. They're 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 honestly probably my favorite scenes in the entire show. It, it has some of the best dialogue for sure. And now I remember why I didn't write down my one-liner because it could not be recorded. It oh, was really? too... Uh, it, w- it was when Richie was talking to Sean and and uh, Matt Matt in his in uh Richie's store, and he called him a homie. I don't even remember. <laughs> uh, okay, well I'll leave it at that because he told me he was going to send him to trip and fall, slip and fall school. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. You're gonna have to tell me off air. <laughs> okay. <I don't> remember. <laughs> Speaking of, I'm, I'm glad you brought up that scene because can you? Richie is being talked to by Sean and Matt in that scene. And Richie, it's like another one of those things where it's such a minor thing, but it it's very telling for his character. He does not give them, he doesn't give them any respect. He doesn't even turn around and look at them. He talks the entire time with his back to them. That's just how little he gives a shit about them. You know, I never even picked up on that. That is true. Yeah, I forget what he's actually doing when he he's like cutting his nails or some shit. I don't know, something fucking stupid like that. But yeah, they're talking to him and his back is to them the entire time. He he does not look at them once. Yeah, you know, damn, I I've never picked up on that. I mean, that's I'm that's kind of impressed. that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of shit I love in the show, man. Just the just the little minor details. Yeah, I mean, look how many times I've watched it and I've never picked up on that detail. And I mean, this whole episode showing that how disrespected they get. You know, I didn't really put that two and two together until you fucking just said that. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like when you have like a cord that connects to the other cord, and you're like, "How the fuck does this?" And then it finally connects, <laughs> and you're like, oh, "Hey, man, this is this is fucking pedal education coming here. Two of us can make it." <laughs> Make one movie make sense. 
<laughs> you got one half and I got the other, man. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> Would you end up giving uh, episode number eight, sir? Eight and a half, sir. Eight and a half. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it uh, pushed the story further down the line. And I thought the uh, whole insight to learning more about Karm was uh, just an excellent point. I gave it the exact same score. 8.5 for me as well. And I couldn't agree more with what you just said. I think I think it's a some great acting. We get some more tension with Richie and Tony and shit. I mean, I'm all about that. Yes. So episode number nine, From Where to Eternity, Christopher claims to witness a foreboding, a glimpse of the afterlife. Polly grows worried that he is being haunted by those he has killed. Tony seeks revenge and brings Pussy along for the ride. Shout out. <laughs> what? Dr. Melfi finds trouble in coping with her disgust for Tony's business. What did you think about this episode? You know, I really like this episode. I do think... I don't know. It was great, and then sometimes I think they we spent too much time on the dream Christopher had, maybe. I don't know. But then it was necessary at the same time. But there's a lot of action in here, you know. There, You kind of get to see Tony and uh, Pussy's relationship evolve. You get to see Carm be a hypocrite even more. And then my, my favorite thing is how, and how fucked up that dream made Polly. He, he got fucked that's, up by that. That's so fucking, that shit was funny. <laughs> you know, he was worried the whole time about it. He, he believed it. Uh, he wouldn't let on to Tony that he believed it, but he, he believed because he was like asking all these questions about it. And he's like, did they have horns? <laughs> was it hot? <laughs> and well, then he comes up with this mathematical equation yes. for how long he's going to be in purgatory for. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't I don't I honestly don't even know where to start. Like we'll just I'll, I'll bounce off of what you just said. <laughs> the dude legit comes up <laughs> with this long mathematical equation of how long to be in purgatory, and I'm like is this like factually true or are you legitimately coming up with this up <laughs> off the top of your head? Yeah. Like Polly is so superstitious, but you said that, you know, he's asking questions because he 100% believes it. At first, I don't think he believes it. When he's asking all those questions, I think he is legitimately making fun of Chris. Cause go back, go uh -huh. back. Think about it. His acting in that. This entire show has all been about facial cues and whatnot, right? So if you look at his face, he almost looks like he has a smile the entire time. Like he's not taking Christopher seriously. And he's being kind of condescending. What? what? Do they have gr horns grown out of, their, out of their head? And then when he mentions 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And then that's when the wheels start turning. And then that's when he starts getting fucked up over it for the rest of the episode. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe at first he thought it was Christopher uh, using his chemistry set too much. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he was. Uh, he he believed it at first. I, I think he was straight up dicking around with with Chris. But to your point earlier, you said there was something about this episode that maybe kind of like held it back a little bit, and you kind of lean more towards the dream. 
I don't think it had anything to do with the dream. I think the dream stuff kind of made the episode a little bit better because then we get some of the poly stuff. I think the thing that really holds it back for me is I feel like the religious themes in this episode were very, very heavy handed. It was really on the nose. They were kind of, it was like every conversation revolved around religion and, you know, uh, purgatory, death, hell, whatever. And at some point, I'm like, okay, guys, we, we fucking get it, man. Like, it's almost, I'm I'm going to compare it to, for some of y'all out there that have watched Arrow and whatnot, Josh, you, you would never watch this show. But back when, and I'm not going to turn this into a, a political debate or anything like that. We're, we don't fucking do this. I'm just trying to make a point here. Arrow had an episode about gun control. And they... They kind of showed both sides of the argument during the episode. That's what this episode feels like to me. Like they are kind of just shoving the religious themes down your throat. It doesn't feel very well as as let me rephrase that. It's not written as well as some of the other episodes, in my opinion. I, I just think it's too heavy handed, it's too on the nose, and it's just kind of like, okay, we we fucking get it. What about what? What do you think? I don't know. I took it more along the lines of showing how hypocritical these people are in this family. You know, they're per se sinning every day. That's how they make their living. But yet, when it comes to one of theirs that's hurt, they're like, oh, you know. So it kind of is like it just highlights how hypocritical this whole family is. I mean, Polly thinks because he donated to the church, yeah. then he shouldn't have any sins. And he's like, oh, I'm not donating shit anymore. <laughs> he says, I have immunity. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not protecting me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and it goes to show you, like, Carm wants Tony to get a vasectomy, which I don't think that's allowed in the Catholic Church because it's considered uh whatever. <laughs> yeah, that, that thing the where you like make babies. I don't I don't know the exact word for it. Birthing? <laughs> <laughs> uh no I don't think that's it, sir. <laughs> yeah, procreation, that's it. They don't think you should uh stop procreation. <laughs> oh. Hey, look here, man. I didn't study fucking Catholicism before I got on this damn podcast. Give me a break. Right? <laughs> Dude, I think the uh, the vasectomy stuff is... Some of it's kind of funny, honestly. I, I think we have a really great scene between Tony and Carmela in bed. Now, earlier I mentioned that some of my be my favorite scenes are at the dinner at the dinner table, right? I think you can make another case that when Carmela and Tony are in bed, those are also some really well-written scenes, and usually they're very, very good. And case in point, right now, you know, she wants him to get a vasectomy, and then Tony's like, you want me to get a what? And then she says, and and then he says, uh, I had her tested for AIDS. Who do you think I am? I'm like, <laughs> it's like that has nothing to do with each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he should got a pass. 
I can cheat because she was clean. <laughs> I was like, the age has nothing to do with vasectomy. <laughs> but that too, I mean, she's talking about cheating and, and stuff like that. And then to the end of the episode, and so far towards the end of the episode, I feel like one of the things that they might not be doing as well, maybe I'm not going to, actually, I can't say anything because it'll end up spoiling some stuff later on. But so far, I feel like Carmella is so wishy-washy on on the whole him having a Gumar and stuff like that. Like she knows she knows about it, but she doesn't want to hear. She doesn't want to smell him. Uh, you know, she doesn't want to talk about it. Nothing like that. But then at the end of the episode, she's all like, "I want you to be mine. I want you to be true." But she never really. By the way, uh, was this the first? Episode with a sex scene between Carmilla and Tony? Yeah, it was. I believe it was. So, I mean... I got harsh. She, she... <laughs> 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 Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, sir. <laughs> I don't know, man. It, it's weird. The, the way that whole thing has been written where she wants him to be true and she doesn't want him to cheat... But she's also not making an effort, it seems. It, it seems like she's just she's just bitching to bitch, you know? And she doesn't really fix her side of things, you know? A woman bitch to just bitch. Never Who would have fucking such. known? <laughs> right? Who would have known? <laughs> I mean, Who I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> I think we should probably cut that part out. <laughs> I'm not going to cut that out. <laughs> I'm going to text Rachel, you need to listen to this episode. <laughs> I'm going to call you uh, after one weekend. Dude, it was a shitty weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think about the scene between Tony and AJ at the very end? Because, you know, him and Carm are get, and Carm is like, got him pissed off. And then AJ drops that uh, baking dish on the floor and he just goes after him and he's like, this is my, this is my air. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a pretty intense scene. I, I I'm still trying to figure out why he got so fucking pissed off so at AJ for dropping that thing. Well, I think that goes back to this, the overall themes of the of overall theme of the season. You know, first season it was a lot of anxiety. This season it's all about controlling his anger, and I mean, just the littlest things just sets him off, and he just explodes. And I think he even mentions it when he goes and sits down with AJ in the bed. And he's like, you know, sometimes I just I get angry and, and whatnot. To me, I'm like, dude, you are bullshitting the fuck out of this. <laughs> like, you don't believe any of this. But whatever, it sounds good. Yeah, now that you mention it, though, that is true. That is the underlying thing for this is Tony's anger throughout this whole season so far. So far, yeah. Well, look at this wise grasshopper. <laughs> ah, sir, I've been paying attention. Maybe, maybe, maybe that last episode, I was like, uh, what happened in this episode? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But then you know that, that uh, you know, that is true. Because uh, you know how you say some of the best scenes are while they're eating? And when Tony is eating with pussy. Shout out. I mean, that, that was a fantastic scene. You could really see how, like, their relationship would have been if, if uh, pussy wouldn't have been a snitch. I think he would be his number number one guy, his number two guy, if uh, he hadn't like done any of that. 
Yeah, I, I definitely, you definitely see more of a closeness in that relationship than you see with, say, Paulie or Seal or even Christopher. Yeah, um, I, I lost my train of thought. Let's complete, be completely honest here. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> God dang, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, uh, I think to be fair, I don't know. See, I can't. I can't say nothing because it'll it'll spoil later seasons. So I'm a. I'm a. We're gonna have to come back to that thought, okay? About number one, number two guy, and and the rankings and all that. Yeah, but what about that steak they were eating on? That was a big motherfucker. That steak was huge. <laughs> I can hey man. I was like, God damn, did they order like a half a fucking cow? You know, sidebar. Larry offered me a fourth of his cow the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, uh, oh, I'll give you a discount. I was like, I mean, you're going to give me like a $5 off coupon? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'll give you a family discount. I'm like, oh, okay, $5 off coupon that expires in like two hours. <laughs> he's probably going to give you the cow's dick or something. That's the more right? you get. <laughs> <laughs> and my luck, it'd be, it'd be tiny. <laughs> But yeah, man, overall, I, I think this episode is, is really great. I don't know. I think I'd put it above episode eight, like just slightly. If I was to rank them, uh, I, I would definitely put it over just a little bit, just because this episode has some of the uh, the better scenes and whatnot, more so than the other the other episode. The only thing that holds it back for me is just is so heavy handed with the religious themes. And I'm like, right, I fucking get it, man. <laughs> I get it. We don't have to devote an entire episode to this. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, uh, I'm just waiting on a Mormon to knock on my door and want to talk about the Latter-day Saints and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the only thing that show was missing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, But, you know, one one thing. Oh, sorry. One thing you, you brought up earlier that this show is all about, like, them being hypocrites, right? Mm-hmm. Tony tries so hard to convince himself and Dr. Melfi that he doesn't deserve to go to hell because he's a soldier and this is war. And I think that kind of hammers home your your point that they all do something, but when something happens to them, it's, oh, fuck that. Like, what? They, they all get offended and stuff like that. And, you know, they're always justifying the bad things that they do. And I, I think that's very interesting. I don't know if I, would have, I don't know if I would have picked up on it as well if you hadn't uh, mentioned it a minute ago. And you know, now that I think about it, some of my favorite scenes are with Tony and Pussy this round, and it makes me wish that they would have picked a different snitch because I think those it feels like them two play off each other so well. And, and it's more like a, uh, you know, a, a brother relationship than a just a friend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I wish it, he wasn't a snitch. So that would, you know, be a solid relationship. I shit. I was going to say something. But it was going to be spoilers. So mm, going to hold back on that. <laughs> <laughs> major, major spoilers. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see where this relationship goes. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Okay. 
Uh, but what you would you end up giving this episode, sir? I gave it a nine, sir. I mean, and it, Tony I don't says know, the Polly shit, shit was hilarious. <laughs> it was, man, and it, it, it black magic. <laughs> it's got a nine just because he has an equation on how, uh, how long he has to stay in purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> I figure I'm gonna be in there like six thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do that standing on my head. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm going to bring it up to a nine as well. And then you got Tony right before he kills Matt Bevilacqua. He says, well, that sugarless fuck is the last thing you'll ever drink. And then fucking just lights his ass up. <laughs> and they shoot him like a billion times. Yeah. But yeah, overall, I, I'll, give, I'll give it a nine. I originally had it at 8.5, but uh, I'll move it up. I do like this episode after talking about it a little bit more. But guys, that is going to be it from us next week. Now, this is the weird episode, okay? Um, how about we do the rest of the season next week? You think you'd be down for that? Oh, uh, let's see. Or would you rather yeah, just... Only four ep- yeah, it's only four episodes. You just want to do, go ahead and knock it out next week? Yeah. All right. We'll do that. It's only four. So next week, go ahead and finish off Season 2, Episodes 10, 11, 12, and 13. And uh, we will meet y'all back here, I guess. Uh, But until then, we will see y'all next time. Laters. Laters.